You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey gals, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. So glad you're here. I have another really fun day today where I'm going to be joined by Joey Metter. Say hello, Joey. Hey, everyone. Joey, I'll let him introduce himself a little bit. I don't know. I feel like I've known Joey for so long. Yes. How long, Joey? I'm going to say 20 years. 22? Maybe. 20. When did you start <laughs> yeah. going to AP? Yes, I've been here like 23 years. I started in 99. So How, yeah, 23, you've known me for 23 years. Okay. It's a long time. But in that time, yep. Got to see Joey when he's just you a little guy. You look the same though. So that's hey, what's thanks. confusing. I've hey, gotten thanks. like three times as large. Yes. So that's fun. Most definitely. But what's always fun <laughs> is to get to know someone when they're younger, but then just to get to see what the Lord does too. It's been really cool. So Joey is our director of worship here at Athey Creek. And he came on to a podcast that we did last year sometime on worship. We'll have to put a link to that one in the show notes so you guys can check that one out because that was a lot of fun. But I really enjoy just getting to talk to Joey about worship, but about a lot of things. So I've asked him to come on today because we're going to talk a little bit about worship again, but also for us gals and a little bit of the emotion and and some of the things that we can kind of get on some tangents with worship. I always just want to be checking in to like, let's get a pastor and like good biblical direction on these things. And I think we need that gal. So Joey, thank you for joining us. I didn't really even let you intro yourself. No, I did that, it all. That's fine. You but did you have way an amazing than... wife. Oh, I do. I ever. Yes. She's the best. She is. How long have you and Kenzie been married now? Mackenzie and I, Mackenzie Elise Metter and I have been married for three years and two months and two weeks. Oh, wow. That was super precise. I, yeah, I just know because it's, it's pretty easy because in November is my birthday. And it's, and it's, it's, it's cool. like really easy to. This won't air today. So no one's going to be able to check your math on well, that. Okay. Yeah. So it's all good. Actually, that's true. Do you know about the November thing with our well, birthday? Well, it's your birthday. Yeah. It's birthdays and it's wedding. So like you just my, did it all together. We got married and the next day is Kenzie's birthday. And the next day is my birthday. Three days in a row. So little tip. It's great. Do not have a child that has a birthday <laughs> the day after that yeah okay so just make a note <laughs> well of that. the thing it works great because if i it usually it's been like like a really 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 big gift or time spent as yeah. opposed to like two but the thing is if i forget it i forgot two things you know like I, it's double bad there's so, no way you can do that i know and i know we're not gonna let you do that my wife's the best she's phenomenal i can she talk is. about that i love a it lot. well I'm also enjoying, uh, Joey makes the best coffee in the world. <laughs> so if I do talk faster on this podcast, I apologize, but the coffee's real good. 15 so. minutes, we got 30,000 words in there, you know, it's I coffee. Know. I know, it's coffee. All right, Joey, kick us off on this. Give us some thoughts to kind of go down this road of, let's even talk about why we worship in the first place. Great questions. I worship the Lord because I feel called to. The word is just so clear, abundantly clear. It's really tough to read the word and not gather that we're a people that are made to worship. And that can look like a couple different things. It should look like a lot of different things. There's a few verses that I could read for us anywhere in John chapter four, like the woman at the well, like at the end, she's asking about, do we worship here? Do we worship there? And the Lord says, we're, you're made to worship in spirit and in truth. Reading the Psalms, Psalm 100 is one that I often reflect on, and we could even read it if we want. It's one that I reflect on that it's full of a, a fairly concise, in the first five or six verses, it, it just kind of lays it out for me in terms of a, a concise way of saying, we worship the Lord. This is why, and we're 
we look to the, I don't know, that's beautiful. Can you yeah, read that? Yeah, I'm going to pull it Psalm up. 100? I'm going to pull it up. Psalm 100. Oh boy. What version? Let's just go King James. King to me Jimmy. Wins. ESV is, is lovely, but the poetic, na- specifically this Psalm, King James, the poetic nature is, it's just really well done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Yeah. That to me is like a little bit of a a really concise playbook. So if you're getting into why do we worship? I think it's because the Bible makes it clear that we are to worship. Outside of the Bible, the Lord makes it clear that creation in itself says, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. In Acts chapter 17, you have Paul at Mars Hill. If you recall the story, he's he's talking to a very wise group of people, wise in the world. They worshiped many gods, thousands of gods. And even one of those gods was the unknown God, if you remember. And it said to the image of the unknown God, as in they had like a thousand gods, one for the God of rain, one for the God of thunderstorms, one for the God of dark, cloudy, rainy thunderstorms. Like (laughs) that's the idea. They had thousands of different gods that they worshiped, lowercase g. They even had one to the unknown God to kind of like check the box. If if we missed any, it's the unknown God. Okay, so we're good. We worship a God that is known and then has made himself known to us. And he's definitely prescribed that we worship him, you know? And so things like Psalm 100, John chapter four, I read those things. And that's kind of like past Psalm, right? David, in the time of Jesus, he made it clear in the gospels all over the place. But then even in the future, Revelation chapter four, uh, you know, like, like the throne room scenes, like you see that when John is caught up in the throne room scene, chapter four of Revelation. And then in the end, in 2021, 22, you just see that worship is happening. Mm-hmm. It is. So let's take that then into a little bit more of our modern context. I like that you brought up John four, because when Jesus says that they'll worship in different places, even mm-hmm. now our modern mind can go, I worship at church and I do it in this, you know, 14 and a half minute slot at the beginning of service and then I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh So maybe, you know, poke at that a little bit because I don't know necessarily, maybe we should have a little bit broader definition of when and how we worship and what that looks like. I love A.W. Tozer. He's Mm -hmm. a smart, he was a smart lad. I have a couple quotes ready to go. So just get ready. I'm ready. The Tozer podcast. He said something along the lines of your worship on Sunday should look like the worship on Monday. And if the worship on Monday doesn't look like it looks on Sunday, then you need to change some things. Mm. And so you're totally right. There's different buzzwords and we'll get into that maybe, but there's certain generic questions that maybe bother certain worship leaders. And one of those is worship exclusive to singing and music and song. Sure. And while that might be an exhausted topic in some circles, I think it's good to define that. No, it's not exclusive to songs like, oh no, we don't have a guitar. Oh, Looks like we can't worship. Right. You know, that's like a a wrong thought. And so what Tozer is getting at, what even David is getting at in the Psalms when he's saying like, bless the Lord, all ye nations at all times. Like he's saying, even if you're serving your neighbor and raking their leaves up, you know, having a heart of worship is something that we need to do. Mm -hmm. So when you strip everything down, when you take 
away the lights and the smoke and the guitars and the drums and the production, what is the heart behind it? Are you still content with just the simplicity of the people gathered together in his name and drawing attention to the Lord? If you can't do that, especially as a worship leader, someone in my role, like if you feel like you need to have tracks, if you need to have a full accompanying band to check the box of that, what you're talking about, that 14 and a half minute worship set, then you need to take some time and reflect on the heart of worship Mm -hmm. and where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, I think especially when you're talking about the motivation, I like what you just said there about how the worship should draw attention to the Lord. Hmm. And we live in a day where, man, worship is an industry Mm -hmm. right now. I mean, I hate to say that because that sounds really gross, but there are parts of it that hopefully most of it's really well intended and really is leading, you know, Christians to worship the Lord in their car or wherever they are. Mm -hmm. But there is a a little bit of that element that is more of that production side that is hard to sometimes go, man, which one does that draw attention to? Yeah. Another Tozer quote. I kind of like reflect on this often. He said, a church that cannot worship must be entertained. Hmm. That's a little scary Mm -hmm. to me because there's a lot of the entertainment portion of the industry, the entertainment industry that's gotten into the worship the worship industry, even saying industry, right? right? Like an example of that is like set list. Like when I say set list, that's something that we got from the world. Hmm. Or if I say like, I'm going to go play at another church, that's making it more of like a, a gig. And yeah. I don't know, it gets it a little bit siloed in a way that is makes me uncomfortable. And now I'm not going to be legalistic and say, don't say set list. <laughs> Because right. it's like, it's like, it's well, a what tool you, that we use, right? It's to, a great way of concisely saying, these are the eight songs that I'm going to play for this 35 minute set list. Yeah, it's a 35 minute set. Yeah. It's like, wait, you said set. No, you know, what do you say? So there's a little bit of uh, parsing this out and kind of dividing the things that are, are usable and tools, like what you're mm-hmm. saying versus, okay, is this actually like a, a medium of entertainment mm-hmm. it, because you can't you know, keep people's attention or whatever it may be. So then you get into like, okay, if your goal is to keep people's attention, at what point are you talking about like manipulation? Sure. It can get conceited. And and then two or three or 10 steps down the road of, of that is where you get things blowing up and where you get things like, frankly, where the Catholic church gets, how it's so complicated. And there's a lot of corruption and there's people in the Catholic church, but I'm talking about the traditions of the Catholic church. Like if you go to Italy or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be, it's like, it gets crazy. And if you've been to Israel or like the places that are, and not to rail on the Catholic church too much, but like the, the church of the Holy Sepulcher is the, the prime example. The church of the Holy Sepulcher is on the Via de la Rosa, the road that Jesus walked on carrying the cross is the idea. And the Catholic church kind of idolizes a lot of that stuff as like places where this place is where he was whipped with the flagellum. This is the place where he dropped the cross. And this is the place where Simon picked it up. And it gets really like, you know, focused on those small actions of Jesus, which is good to do. But then it kind of all culminates at the church of the Holy Sepulcher, where they, the Catholic church believes that's where his tomb is at. But what you get there is people that are crying and weeping over a slab of marble where they think that this is where they laid Jesus. And I wonder, is Jesus happy about that? Is he not happy about that? From what I can see when I go there, it's it's this feeling of people are worshiping and particularly there's ladies that are crying and wiping their tears with their hair on the marble. Mm-hmm. And the marble slab that is 
you know, an eight, nine foot long marble slab is it's warped and it, it's, it's probably like a two or three inch warp that happens to, because people are rubbing it and touching it and all that stuff. And it makes you wonder of, what you're worshiping. It then. makes you wonder what you're mm-hmm. worshiping. Exactly. And it makes you like, have they replaced that marble slab a couple times? We're all yeah. grossed out right now. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think that the grossed out thing, that's appropriate to be grossed out by that. And so I wonder in America, are we doing the same thing at our church, Athey Creek in Westland, Oregon? Are we doing the same thing? If we are, then we need to pray about that. Mm-hmm. So that kind of stuff gives me great pause, like the the heart behind what we're doing. Are we going after the emotions of people or are we just trying to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? Here's a litmus test that I always maybe run myself by is like, would I do this by myself here where we're recording this podcast? If it's just me alone in this studio, mm-hmm. what would I be playing? Would I be playing just to get better guitar tone or would I be kind of offering that to the Lord? So much of what you're saying, there is absolutely just almost an invisible quality that is only just between you and the Lord of what is that heart and what is that motivation. Mm -hmm. And I, and at the end of that, whether you're a gal sitting in your car or you're sitting in in church, we have to examine our own hearts about what Mm -hmm. is our motivation in that. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I do keep coming back to this issue on the podcast with worship and with women, because I really actually want us to be honest with ourselves and ask us those questions as gals this is not going to surprise you. You have an amazing mom, an amazing wife. We're a little bit more emotional, right? We, you're like, I'm not going to no comment. comment on that. No comment. Okay. I will comment for, for all of us. We're slightly more emotional, which means sometimes that we actually look for that emotional response in something. And this challenges me because I love worship. I love to be at worship at Athey. I love worship music. I just... I love it. But I asked myself, okay, Aim, what am I loving about this? You know, am I reflecting on what these words are? And it's why, like last time, we kind of dug into what are these words saying? Hmm. Is there good theology behind these words? And I really care about that because if you are with that heart, with that motivation of offering that to the Lord, we want to be using the mind too in what we're saying and, and speaking to the Lord. And that's not just our emotion. So I guess I bring all this up too to keep it in front of the gals to go, man, what is my motivation to worship? Is it to offer to the Lord? And is it, or is it something that is more on the showy side, but it resonates with the rest of the worship, you know, air quote industry Mm. on their motivation as well. So funny because there's so many good things about the worship industry in that I think that there are people that really do want to see worship happen. Yeah. But then there is a paycheck for a lot of the people that are there. There's sales reps in certain, I get magazines. I don't know if you get magazines sent to you, like because you work at a church. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get those church sales magazines? Every once in a while. Yeah. It's, or it's, a random email that you're like, huh? The email for sure. But <laughs> I'll get catalogs. That's a better word for it, a catalog. That's probably 200 pages that will have every single thing that you could think of that is so cheesy. And Beck, Becca Frost is in the room. Becca Frost is have in you, the room. Be- you know what I'm talking about? You seen these? They're hilarious. They come, <laughs> they come to your house. So they're, they're so crazy because, oh gosh, there's so many different robes in these things. Like, right? Like you think robe, like uh, parish would have a robe or like a Lutheran church. Yeah. They might have yeah, a robe. Fancy robes. Okay. There's, the there's hundreds of different colors <laughs> of robes that you can get and they want to sell them to you. And they, 
and <laughs> there's like different speaker options. There's microphones. There's there's all these different things that you can do. You can get there's what's like some of the weird ones that are in there. For some reason, I always think about the robes. Like, it's so crazy. Have you seen these? I don't get the robe catalogs, apparently. Okay. I'm missing out. There's choir risers. There's probably 50 different choir risers that you can buy, which is great. Like, that's a logistically, you can't, if you're doing the choir thing, you kind of need sure. something, like either a bench or. But I don't you're know. getting to almost like all the trappings that has become. Trappings hey, is the word. This is worship. Exactly. It's, you so, got to have all of it. So I, I wonder, like, if I pray that there's a gal that is binding those magazines together in the warehouse you know she's working she's sending those out like i pray that her heart is you know maybe someone's gonna see this choir riser and be like you know that would be awesome because we have these 30 people that really want to volunteer and serve this church mm-hmm. and we want to do a couple choir sets and we don't have choir risers these choir risers you know like that's where my prayer is where their heart is at i don't think that's the case all the time and I know that's the, not the case every time. And so the point is, is that what is the heart in worship? It's back and to the heart of, heart of worship. So then you start to ask like, okay, are we supporting Athey Creek, me as the worship director? Because I am in charge of the budget that I have been given. And am I financially supporting if we purchase a choir riser to keep with that example? Are they just kind of after the paycheck or are, do they have a heart of service as well, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's where you can kind of lose sleep over like, we're paying this much month, a month to this thing. And no, they're corrupt. No, they got us again. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think the Lord can bless all those things. He can, he can use all those things. I pray for discernment from a leadership perspective that can be honoring to God. That's mainly like one of the things that is one of my private goals is to worship the Lord in a way that honors God. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, even in terms of leadership that applies like am i is this at the end of the day honoring god by supporting this person by having this volunteer help out by doing this kind of worship set so one of the things that i had asked you and i i feel like the beginnings of this podcast has sort of answered this question because there are different little movements we see within worship. And Hmm. one of the things that we've seen, uh, particularly over the last three or four years, there's been this word that gets bounced around Instagram and social media, and they talk about our need to lament. Hmm. And again, it's that emotional issue. Usually when I see this brought up, it's usually from a gal that talks about how necessary it is for us to lament and worship and that kind of stuff. Yeah, The Bible talks about lament to some degree, but we've kind of defined worship in a slightly different would you put those in the same camp or worship and lament? Yeah. Or meaning, is it a piece of it? Yeah. So if I could maybe play a little bit of the other side of this card, first, let me say I'm more of a, the joy of the Lord is our strength yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we should be all yep. given to the more the anointed with the oil of gladness than we are to the lament side. So that being said, I think that a lot of the people that are subscribing to heavy lament push, I think what their mentality is, is about two thirds of the Psalms, for example, are woe is me. Why are thou cast down my soul? Mm-hmm. And so if you're a numbers person, two thirds of the songs of the set list, those should be heavy songs. I'm saying from my role perspective, we're going to lead a worship set. And two thirds of those songs should be songs of lament. Hmm. Okay, maybe that's where they're coming from. Or from a private perspective, them in their own 
heart and their own walk, their Jeremiah was the weeping prophet, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, hey, maybe I'm justified in my thought of weeping. And I would maybe counter that and say, are you whining or are you weeping? What <laughs> one is it? Because Jonah sure. was a whiner. Yep. Jeremiah was a weeper. Jesus wept. Jonah whined. And so I, I think maybe I don't want to speak for men, but there's a lot of whiny men in today. And I wonder if there's women that are in that same category where they're, you're saying, woe is me and whining about yourself and your own predicament. And I think that you'll know how close you are to the Lord based on what you're weeping about. If you're weeping about, you know, something that's small and petty versus weeping for the children of Israel that are turning against the Lord, right? Which is what Jeremiah was weeping about. Jonah was whining because he had to travel. Mm -hmm. Jesus was weeping because the same thing that people are going to hell because they're rejecting him. And so there's that kind of lament that I think is extremely appropriate and sobering and something that we need to contemplate and wade through. If you have kids and they haven't accepted the Lord, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. That means that they are not going to heaven and that is worth lamenting. Yep. And you've got a job to do. So versus like, they just threw up everywhere. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to whine. Like, obviously, of course, that's, that's a bummer, but that shouldn't be something that gets in the way that the Lord has saved you and salvation has been given to us. And mm -hmm. it's a gift. And that's worth praising the Lord about. That's worth being happy about. And that's worth sharing. Hey, kids, you know what? Today, you tripped, you fell, you skimmed your knee or whatever, you're bleeding all over. But guess what? In heaven, there's no more tears, no more right? Tears. Like the shampoo. Yep. But super shampoo, right? Well, and I always love too, you <laughs> gave the example of the Psalms and he does say so many times, you know, he'll say, why so cast down my soul? But he always ends, ends that uh -huh. with, but I hope in my God, my will put my hope in God. I will put my hope in God. It's almost like it's not discounting the need for, you know, having that moment mm -hmm. of really honesty before the Lord of like, man. And maybe that lament side, but then ending with your hope in the Lord. Yeah. And I think that there's, let me say this too, the other side of that, the negative of, there are some people that the joy of the Lord is their strength, but they're very shallow in that. Hmm. As in, like, there are some people that are extremely bubbly and happy. This is awesome. This is a wonderful thing. And you listening, you might be one of those people. I think that if we're not sensitive to people that might be cast down or in a situation that's objectively really horrible that just comes across as uh, white noise and not not really sensitive to where mm -hmm. someone is is going through and so i think that it is appropriate for someone maybe even like myself who's largely i'm a happy guy it is appropriate for me to say man there are people that are hurting there are people that are going to hell because they do not believe in Jesus. And that's sobering. That's something that is sad and heavy. Mm -hmm. But then you're totally right. It's always balanced out at the end with, well, but I'm going to trust in the Lord. You know, David even speaks to himself, you know, yeah. like, like, come on, come on, my soul, let's go. Like, it's kind of like a kickstart that he he tries to do. And by the end of the Psalm, he is doing. And he, he was in a situation, he was in all the situations that are quite a bit worse than we're we find ourselves in today, where you find yourself in today, listening to the podcast, read uh, the second half of first Samuel and second Samuel, and you kind of get where he's coming from when the body count is in the thousands of people that he's slain mm -hmm. and that people that have 
died around him. Like you get why he's cast down. But even in that, even in that, he's saying, but my hope is in the Lord and he's my refuge. He's my strength. He's my comforter. And in him where that's where I'm going to go to. That's Mm -hmm. where my refuge is going to be. And I'm going to look to that. I like what you're saying about the balance of that. One of my favorite songs that AD Music sings is, and I think it's one you guys wrote, but it's the one that starts, Come All Ye Broken. Yep. And that, when you're thinking about what we lament over, it should be a piece of it, our own sin, you know, and the fact that we we are people that need the Lord. But the song doesn't end in that place either. And Mm. one of the reasons I guess I want to just kind of dig into a little bit of the why of this is because I don't think we actually think about our worship very much Hmm. because maybe it's become everything that's on the radio or because it's something that it induces like a, an emotion or a feeling if it's done well, right? Like if the worship band just killed it, then we're really, you know, we're feeling that Hmm. we look for that as opposed to maybe more intellectually, like, why am I worshiping? Am I doing it within the concept of yeah, I'm grieving my sin, I'm, but I'm also balancing that with the joy of the Lord and my hope that is in the Lord too. So one of the things is to open that up so gals like really think more critically about that, I guess, too. But the reason I wanted to bring up lament too is because the buzzwords. Yeah. You know, what are the buzzwords with worship music? Because, right now, like you're saying, like yeah, today. Yeah, oh, because there's, so there's, there's buzzwords. And I think those make, it almost like normalizes this culture mm. that then we don't think seriously about these things. And like the stuff we, the scriptures we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast, that we worship because the Lord, man, he deserves our worship. Mm-hmm. His word says to worship. Mm-hmm. So we got to take that seriously. Yeah. So buzzwords, it's funny because I think I actually wrote down some buzzwords. Oh, I want to hear the buzzwords. Yeah, okay. But the thing is like each one that I wrote down, it's like, I know that this is a buzzword, but at the same time, these words can be dissected into truth. Yeah. However, today they're being, a lot of these words are being used in terms of like blanket statements and the people that are saying a lot of these words, they don't necessarily know what they mean or even like origin of those words uh-huh. or being able to appropriately point to where these words are in the word, yep. which is maybe one of the more important things for me. So like an example, like you're saying lament, lament's a good example. And again, it could be that my circle of influence, you know, people that I'm seeing and hearing and, and looking to in my world are using words like lament and like, cause you're, you're hearing mm-hmm. the word of lament. Like, can I ask, where are you hearing that word of lament? Typically not people I really ascribe to being like nails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly. But again, like you said, is lament biblical? Is there, that's what we book. have. Absolutely. Jeremiah wrote totally. lamentations. So, but here's, this is the trick though, with all these buzzwords is it's, there'll be that ounce of, well, this is true. Yes. This is true. Just yesterday, I read this quote. It's an old R.C. Sproul quote, actually. It says, most heretics try to mask their heresy by using orthodox language to convey it. Yes. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, That's what I'm saying. it's it's one of those things that we're going to use a biblical term and then it's up to us to be discerning. Yes. Like people like experience. That's a big one. That's a buzzword. Totally. That's a buzzword. Experience. Where is experience of worship? found in scripture. So th- that's the thing is I could say kinda um, not. it kind of is not, but like, I bet you that lightning in, in the throne room in revelation, that's, that's an experience. Dude, that's an experience. But at the same time, you're not going to be, if you're trying to entertain people during that, that's so inappropriate. Yep. Like good luck trying to be like an entertaining human in the throne room of God 
when there's thunder and lightning happening. So, so experience, like obviously when you have an experience where the spirit moves, where you yourself are clearly brought into a situation where the Lord is speaking to you, dude, that's an experience. Mm-hmm. That's something that's, that's an amazing thing. And I mean that truly in terms of like the definition, what is Webster's definition say experience? That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is an experience. That's something that I'm going to remember. That's something that's going to be very impactful. But I think that the industry negatively today uses, hey, we just want to have an experience with the Lord today. Mm-hmm. That's true. But what you're talking about is kind of like fabricating something. You are trying to do something. And once you start trying to like pump air into something, it's going to be deflated real quick. So like experience, encounter, same thing. Yep. Like Gideon encountered the angel of the Lord and, you know, they had the fleece thing and <laughs> consumed the meal, if you remember that, mm-hmm. and judges, right? That's awesome to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. But again, it's almost like a what's on the menu today. Well, today we're going to have an experience. We're going to have an encounter. We're going to have the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, a real moment today. And you're like, dude, I'm going to, dude. Yeah, exactly. And then that's like the worship thing. There's beyond that circle, like the greater church, like dude, Corbin university loved going there is awesome. I recommend if you're looking for a school, go there. However, there was one poster that they did. It was like all of the words in one. It was like, today we want to experience and foster growth, no nurturing, fostering and nurturing growth in our community. And I was like, dude, that's like four out of, that's like, that's a ton of the buzzwords, nurture, foster, growth, community. Like all those things are like, they're used. Community is a great example too. Cause it's like, dude, that's great. You should definitely have a body of believers that you count, you're held accountable to, but that's just thrown over. That's a blanket statement. That's covering up something else. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So those kind of words, it's not that you can't use those words and you maybe even should use those words, but there are certain people that it's almost as if they traded their brains in and are only on some sort of script. Yeah. And it's it's really, really weird. There's so much of it. Like this isn't even necessarily on worship, but, and I hope people don't hear me as, man, Amy, you're being really overly critical truly not my heart. My heart is for us to just kind of like, what do these words mean? Mm-hmm. I'm always saying like, hey gals, let's like actually define our terms. But like, here's one of my least favorite, lean in. There you go. Let's yeah. lean into that. Let's lean into that. And the thing is, is you can get in concept what we're talking about here. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> but what I fear is that sometimes Christians, I think we've become a group of that speak more buzzwords than we do the word. Great point. So then here's a question. Here's maybe a critical question. Does Athey have those? Yeah. At Athey, do we and have those? Really, that's what we should all be asking. What are my buzzwords? You know, yeah. what are the things that, I guess the thing with a, a buzzword is what do you do with it? Like, first of all, is there real truth and meaning behind it? And then are you actually doing what you're saying? Whatever you have defined lean in to mean? Or have you heard it said so many times and it keeps you culturally relevant? And so that's what you say. That's when I think it gets gross, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I wonder if there's like an origin to lean in, like, because that by itself is probably, I mean, that's great. Like if the Lord is doing something or prompting you to look into something, man, lean into that. Like, like look into the word yeah. where does, you know, that's great. However, if you're just kind of like tagging that on and it's like, yep, well, I did the lean in thing. It's so easy. But then I need to check myself because it's very easy to be critical of a lot of people. I think it goes back to, are you doing this because that's what everyone else is doing? What is your heart behind it? And are you just kind of like a part of some 
bigger assembly line of, of people that are just repeating all these words and buzzwords and stuff like that. So I don't know. It feels very plastic mm-hmm. to me. Um, which and is I, not good. maybe that's what makes me bristle a little bit, whether it's lament or experience or, you know, even community, community, mm-hmm. like you said, is awesome. But yeah. if we're just using it as like, you say the word and you check the box, you know, it loses its meaning. And I fear like, really, we are kind of becoming a people that are not becoming deeper. Mm-hmm. We're more shallow. And I think sometimes our buzzwords put us into that. It sounds like we're, you know, we've got some good terminology for it, but are we deep people? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like gilded, like a thin veneer, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh man, that person's solid. And then you just poke through and it's like, oh no, that was, that you was just, just lean into it. This is when you lean into it. It's just a couple of words that you have, you know, do you know that origin of the gilded age in the 1920s? Do you know that? Yes, but it's been a long time. Since no, it's I've fine. It's done any history on the history gilded nerd. age. Bring so it. the gilded age, the 1920s, right before the great depression, there's the book, the great Gatsby, right? Yeah. It, where you, you have all these parties and extravagant lifestyles of pearls and nice dresses, fast cars, all that stuff. But then under the surface, financially, a lot of those people that were living extravagantly were mm-hmm. just just a sneeze away from absolute ruin. And then the Great Depression happened. So the Gilded Age is called the Gilded Age because when something is gilded, it's usually like a really cheap, inexpensive metal that is a thin layer of gold like leaf gold, right, is hammered onto that really inexpensive metal. Hmm. So, and then you're like, here, here's this golden thing, like a lamp, right? Or something that's like really a practical. It looks shiny. It's it's, amazing. It's super shiny. Is that a gold lamp? Sure is. But it's like, no, no, that's actually like some dumb plastic steel that is Mm -hmm. really inexpensive and it looks gold. It's thin. It's gilded. It's a thin veneer. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians that are using buzzwords like this, it's a gilded issue. It's a veneer. It's not, you scratch it a little bit. You're like, oh dude, this is rusty on the inside. And so a lot of people that are lamenting, are they lamenting because that's the cool thing to do right now, which I fear it is mm-hmm. to have a therapist. Have you noticed how many people like are talking about their therapist mm-hmm. <laughs> and not talking about the word as mm-hmm. much and not talking about, man, the Lord was just showing me this. Nope. They're saying, no, my therapist and I were talking about this. I actually, I, I'm not sure I was reading Elizabeth Elliott or somebody, but they were talking about the fact that if you go back a hundred years or so, Mm -hmm. you don't have any therapists, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you go back to Amy Carmichael's day and, or, you know, the people that they still had major struggles and real uh, things that they were going through, Mm -hmm. but nobody had a, even a Christian therapist to go to you, those Christians just sought the Lord. Bible days. They just sought the Lord. Now, again, not trying to be overly simplistic and say that, you know, today we're thankful that there's people that the Lord has gifted in those Mm -hmm. things. But again, I'm going to always encourage if the source of that, if the main instructive piece that's being used is not the word, save your money and save your time. Then what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and then I think that's a trend issue. And so it, it can be frustrating to me when I see brothers and sisters of mine that are, and again, like my college experience, it was an interesting one in that, you know, people come together for a few years and then just go out throughout the entire world. Positive or negative, social media kind of connects you to those people still. So then you see where they're at or where they're not. And I, mm-hmm. and I wonder if some of those people, if their relationship with the Lord was genuine when we were interacting years ago, because now they're 
not walking with the Lord. There's a dozen mm-hmm. of people that I could think of right now that are just so left and gone. And and those are the people that were using the buzzwords. Again, if you're a person that's like using experience a lot or expectation or movement or glory or dude, that's fine. But make sure that you're not a thin Christian. We need to be heavyweights, mm-hmm. you know, like we don't want to be, I mean, it's a little bit of a stretch, but like uh, in the book of Daniel, when Nebuchadnezzar is, is he's been found a lightweight, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of lightweight Christians that are really, really thin and not, not heavy in the best sense of that word. And those are the Christians that I've seen kind of really lean into the deconstruction movement because I think that they, they were using these buzzwords that were, they thought are founded in truth, which a lot of the time they are and the origin of them are. But then once they kind of like look into it and actually dive into the the words of man, they're left with nothing. Mm-hmm. And they're left with just rusty pieces of metal that are not worth anything. How are they not non-Christians after that deconstructing experience? I think it kind of comes back to people needing to simplify and go back to the word and not TED Talks on Sundays. The gilded thing, people are a lot of the time just very, very thin and they they found a new word they found a flashy word and then that becomes the next focus of the ted talk that they're going to give on sunday and then the byproduct of that the product of that after five ten years are people that were christians that went to a christian school whatever they attended a christian church for five ten years whatever but then years after that find themselves atheists and just gone because they just did not have a foundation that was in the word. They mm-hmm. had a foundation that was largely in the world and in the experience mm-hmm. and in this pursuit of encounters. Yeah. So give us like, I completely agree with this. And so if we're, but if we want to like take it to the next step of how do we make it practical, not mm. lean into our own buzzwords here yeah. of saying you need to be in the word, encourage people. How should, what should that look like on the daily? Practically speaking. Practically speaking. Great question. Yeah, maybe that's that's a buzzword of ours. Be in the word. Sure, right? <laughs> I hope that that's self-defining. It and should be. But I, sometimes I feel like even that, okay, what do we mean? And then, because then I think we're better able to ask ourselves, well, am I mm-hmm. in the word? What does this look like? So for me, it breaks down to three things. It breaks down to, this is not my analogy. This is. Paul and the author of Hebrews in the manna, the milk and the meat, mm-hmm. right? So for me, the manna is that daily bread, that's private time, whether it be five minutes or 15, 20 minutes of being in the word. And that can take place anytime. A lot of people have found that first thing in the morning is great for them. And that's awesome. Sometimes that's what I do. Not often. For me, it'll be usually in my truck, really, really practically speaking. That's mm-hmm. where it's like, I'll get somewhere early and dude, my Bible is, it's right there. It's a mm-hmm. hand reach away. So that's something that's very important to be daily in the word. And I would encourage, if you don't know where to start, the gospels are always, always good to read. One chapter is probably five or six minutes. Get a version that you can read. The ESV is probably my number one draft pick as far as people that are looking to read something on the daily, that they're not looking to have the meat, which I'll get into in a second, like having a a, a commentary next to them and a thesaurus next to them and the word, you know, that's like mm-hmm. King James, right? Mm-hmm. ESV does such a good job of being low hanging fruit, if you pardon the pun there, for you, you know, the ESV, it's great. Read 
something. Maybe that's Psalms. I know that like my mom, Debbie, she'll do at the very least one proverb a day. You know that how that works. Like there's if there's 31 days in a month, well, it just so happens there's 31 proverbs. And good luck chewing on those and feeling like you're done. You know, yeah, yeah. I finished them. I know what they're talking about. <laughs> like, no, you're never done with the proverbs. No. Nope. She will sometimes read five psalms a day. So there's 150 psalms. It kind of breaks down to where it's like, yeah, you can kind of get done with the psalms in a month, all 150 psalms in one month. If you read five a day, which probably takes five, 10 minutes for those five psalms. You know, Mm -hmm. some of them are two verses. Some of them are are 120 verses, but so that's like practically every day being in the word. But then I think the second one often goes unchecked and that's like the personal study time. That's something that within the last several years that I've found a ton of fruit from in doing what I was saying earlier, privately studying the word. And truly studying the word, not just reading the word, but studying the word. And that looks like carving out, again, for me, it's usually an hour or two hours, if I have the time, to have a teaching that I'm listening to, Mm -hmm. to have a commentary out, to have a journal out that I'm writing these things down or in my Bible, I'll physically write down this word means this. Or this is kind of the idea that Paul is trying to get to, or this is what Moses is saying to the people. And this is where that kind of connects to what Jesus was saying. And, you know, that kind of stuff, that's studying the word. And that is, that's getting outside of the gilded thing. That's becoming a heavyweight in in terms of your Christianity. So like, there's some things that scare certain people, like the book of Obadiah, you know, like, good, okay, what's Obadiah about? You're like, oh, dude, I'm out. But if you go through the word slowly, but thoroughly, it becomes less scary, less icky. Things like Ezekiel, which make a lot of, a lot of senior pastors sweat. The Lord reveals himself to us in those books. And other pastors, other speakers, wise people have brought the hay down from the loft. Mm-hmm. So all these things are, are really, really accessible. And so if you are curious, you can take personal study time. And then the third that I think a lot of people kind of discredit the personal study time because they maybe are getting that at church. And I Mm -hmm. think that's important is to be in the word at church or find a church that is in the word. Yeah. You know, and so I think that a lot of Christians don't do any of those three things, you know, be in the word collectively as a church, to be studying the word personally, and then to be reading the word daily. Mm-hmm. People, a lot of the time, are not checking any one of those boxes, which is a little bit troubling. I think that if you go several years without checking any of those boxes, that's where you end up with, it's like you're standing on a sheet of ice that's yeah. either going to crack or it's going to slowly melt. And sometimes the world gets pretty hot, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that ice will melt real quick as opposed to standing on the solid rock, Mm -hmm. right? The word. So, so that's something that I personally found a ton of fruit from is doing what I can to be in the word daily, doing what I can to study the word as much as I can, whether that's one, two, three, four, five times a week, if I can. And that's a luxury of time that Mm -hmm. I have today without kids, you know, Mm -hmm. but then also making sure that your church is also in the word. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know that we talk about things like that, but I wanted to ask you to 
unpack all of that because I think we need those daily reminders because sometimes mm-hmm. we just need to go, oh, you know what? I've not actually been doing that piece mm-hmm. over there. I've, I've been reading daily, but maybe I'm not studying mm-hmm. or maybe I'm not in a church. And I think yeah. we need to hear those reminders because this example, very unintended because mm-hmm. we weren't thinking we'd get to the gilded Christian, <laughs> but here we are. But I think it's really appropriate to where we are. And I think mm. it is very much why we have the buzzwords and the gilded, but man, it's so shallow. And we want to be people that are deep in the Lord, people that when you come and you Mm -hmm. worship corporately at a church or even just privately, Mm -hmm. that there is that intellectual mind and spirit. It's all there. I'm making like a cultural connection, even just right now. Like the night I'm talking about the 1920s, not the 2020s, but it's becoming a weird parallel. So like, true. Today, you'll see a lot of people wearing clothing that truly they can't afford. True. Driving cars that they- Shoes they can't afford. Shoes they can't afford. Okay, I have high school boys that are into all the like, why do shoes cost this much? I I don't understand. I'm just saying. And they're lame. I'm wearing some thoroughgoods that are steel toe boots. They're going to laugh. They're going to, my kids are going to fight over when I'm dead. At least yours were last. My my kids' shoes are not. And I'm like, why? Why did we spend that money? I don't even know. (laughs) But it's easy to find, I hate that I'm saying this. It's easy to find a shoe that is worth several thousand dollars. That's like a tennis shoe. Yeah, it's definitely not easy to find that. But you're saying, meaning meaning to spend that. Yes. But you're meaning you can find them out there. On eBay, on eBay or whatever medium that the kids are buying the shoes on, there's tens of thousands of shoes that are thousands of dollars and people That's spend getting, that like what so, and and people are driving again dave ram the david ramsey right his whole thing is people are, are buying vehicles are one of those big things that they're twice their salary if they're on a salary they buy vehicles that are twice their salary which is like so backwards what i'm saying is christians do a very similar thing and they get there with buzzwords hmm. as opposed to being stable in terms of their spiritual finances, let's say. It goes down to like the people that, it's kind of funny, the people that are really, really wealthy, it's funny a lot of the time, like they're not They're not doing well and they're not happy. (laughs) Yeah, sure. But especially the people that are trying to look like they're really wealthy, trying to look like they're balling, they're going to end up not doing good at all. They're chasing after something, you know, as opposed to being personally content with where you are with, with the Lord. It's like a showmanship that a lot of younger people specifically, like the lament thing, if I'm going to kind of go full circle, like they want to on the outside be perceived as a Christian that is weighty. Oh, well the lament. Okay. I'm going to lament then. And so they want to appear like they are walking with the Lord, but at the end of the day, they're, they're fools Mm -hmm. because they're just left to themselves as opposed to truly the Lord. I don't know. Well, I guess if I can like try to bring all this around, I think what we're getting at is that just the challenge to, we started at the beginning talking about the heart of things, like why we do stuff. But Mm -hmm. if we don't stop and think about that stuff, we are going to be gilded and we're going to be a bunch of buzzwords that if we go with your cultural parallel and then we move into the Great Depression, yikes, Mm -hmm. we're struggling, right? Yeah. So you know, wherever people are, gals are listening to this, if you're, you know, maybe it's just a healthy reminder to keep going in mm-hmm. where you're going, but maybe it's also a reminder to strip some of the gilding away, mm-hmm. whether as it, in terms of worship or whether in terms of just some of the buzzwords and terminology, do we have meaning to those things? And do we have a, like a foundation to those words? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anything else you want to 
throwing yeah, there? Yeah, I think that if you're a person that you maybe find yourself just with a lexicon that's these 20 words and just on repeat, I would say, hey, let's start over and just speak like a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many pastors and, and speakers, it's like, I'll bet you 10 bucks that you don't talk like that normally, mm-hmm. you know? Or you know the ones that if that's how they do talk all the time, there are certain phrases they repeat all the time and then it gets mm-hmm. like, do you know how much you say that phrase? You know? Yeah, like, yeah. there's like a disconnect. Wait, if maybe you're a, a byproduct of that, I would encourage you to have some self-reflection and maybe speak normally. That's fine. It's fine to be simple. And that's kind of being all things to all men. The Lord spoke in a way that related to everyone. So let's do that. Mm-hmm. And I also just want to add to maybe the think about the buzzwords. We mm-hmm. don't maybe have to throw them all out. Of course. Because like we said, there's sometimes some truth in there. But whether it's, you know, someone is talking about your spiritual practice. That's another one. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but again, why those terms? And is there biblical reading? And I guess I just want us to not look for the emotion of it and maybe just that veneer. But to really like think about why do I say what I say? And is it biblically founded? So... Right there. All right. Thanks, gals. I we went all over. <laughs> this always happens with Joey. I don't know. I feel like last time I did a better job of keeping all on the thing. But I liked getting to the gilded, Joey. We, so I we're think just, that our, helps. We're just talking. I just I just <laughs> love that. So all right, we will uh get you guys next time on the Devoted Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.